You're listening to Bloom in Tech with David Bloom. This podcast sponsored by Fabric Media in Venice, California. Hey everybody, welcome back to another fine episode of Bloom in Tech. I'm your host David Bloom. I'm so delighted to have you join me on yet another journey across the bumpy universe that is uh, created by the collision of technology, entertainment, and media. Kind of fun stuff that I like to pick through in my little rocket ship of the mind. I'm so glad you're buckled in for another hot ride across this universe with me. Lots to talk about uh, these last several days. I started a little bit of an online brush fire, it seems like, when I wrote a story about Apple TV Plus and how it could get an extraordinary number of followers, subscribers, in its first year, thanks to one little-noticed change that they are offering, that they made. This episode, we'll also talk with Mike Kaiserling, the COO of Philo, a hot little uh, service, a skinny bundle that sort of gets overlooked, but has a very different approach to providing the virtual version of the kinds of cable bundles you're used to getting. I'll have that later in the show. Let's start, though, with the Apple story. I did a lot of writing, and so did a lot of other people this uh, last couple of weeks, about Apple's announcements, its annual fall iPhone-a-palooza, which also comes with a whole bunch of other kinds of announcements. Uh, Apple last week finally put some numbers around its long-delayed TV Plus subscription video service as well, including a price, $4.99 a month. I thought it was a bargain, but it only delivers a handful of shows at launch. It will be coming out on November 1st, which brought a lot of attention because, in part, $4.99 a month is about $2 less a month than Disney Plus's service, and it comes out 10 days before Disney Plus debuts on November 11th. The offerings are skimpy, but presumably will fill out quickly. I mean, after all, Apple did order $6 billion worth of programs, like The Morning Show with Reese Witherspoon, Jennifer Aniston, and Steve Carroll. Even all of Cupertino's reported production meddling won't delay forever the appearance of most of those shows sooner than later. So a bargain price for high-profile shows from top talent will attract some customers, no doubt. Lots of competitors in the subscription video space are betting on just that strategy for their own services. But Apple's real opportunity to quickly become the world's second biggest video streaming service after Netflix is due to a little-noticed side deal. That deal, buy a Mac laptop, or desktop computer, an iPad, or an iPhone, and you get TV Plus free for a year for you and five of your family members. Pretty great. I also think it could be a game changer in the business of streaming, even if most observers have treated the deal as something of an afterthought. But it's no afterthought, and here's why. Last year, worldwide, Apple sold 217.8 million iPhones. The three new iPhones didn't get a rapturous response last week, though they seem to be getting more and more love as the days go by. I'm betting they're going to sell many tens of millions of the 699 flagship iPhone 11, which looks like a great bargain, and the 599 holdover from last year, the XR, and for a lot of excellent reasons. I think they'll also just do just fine with the new Pro line, the two models there, um, but those are very pricey and for people who want really fantastic cameras and much longer battery life and bigger screens. Anyway, last year, Apple also sold more than 44 million iPads. It now offers a wide array of iPads at various price points and form factors, including the nicely featured new $329, 10.2-inch model on the low end that should sell a whole bunch of units. It looks like a great deal with 
pretty modern technology. Doesn't have all the bells and whistles of the pro versions of the iPad, but it's a great price, a great size, and people are going to love it, I suspect. So look out for that to do quite well. And finally, Apple last year shipped 18 million Mac desktop and laptop computers, according to estimates that were provided to me by market analysts IDC. Now, shipping isn't the same as sales, but you can bet that most of those machines were sold. In the last several months, Apple has announced long overdue refreshes to the models of the MacBook Air, the MacBook Pro, and the Mac Pro, finally, all of which should continue to sell a solid number of computers, even in an era when desktop computers aren't quite the thing anymore. Altogether, that's about 280 million units of Apple hardware out the door in 2018. I think that's a number Apple will almost certainly match in the coming year or so. Figure that there's a significant overlap between the people who buy the Mac computers, the iPhone, and the iPad, in part because there are usability dividends that are provided because they're so tightly interactive between each other thanks to the great software that Apple runs. So let's say that they indeed sell hardware of one sort or another to a portion of that 280 million. We'll call it 225 million. That's all of a rough same number of iPhone sales plus some overlap into the other two categories. Each of those customers will now get a free TV Plus subscription for a year. At that point, TV Plus is moving well into Netflix territory, which has about 152 million subscribers right now. Just to keep this thing on the reel, let's cut the Apple number in half, figuring that as with Amazon Prime, only about half the customers who are going to get free video access can figure out how to watch it and choose to do so. Then we can add in some portion of the existing owners of 1.4 billion other Apple devices as potential paying subscribers. Apple knows a little bit about marketing. Maybe these people don't buy hardware this year, but maybe they want access to The Morning Show or Rod Moore's next sci-fi wonderness. If somehow Apple persuaded even 1% of those device owners to subscribe, that would be another 14 million paying accounts. So all told, that's around, we'll call it 125 million subscribers, both paying and free. That's big. That is barking at the heels of Netflix. For perspective, Morgan Stanley sent Disney stock up 4% when it projected that combined, all three of its streaming services would hit 130 million by 2024, five years from now. That means Disney Plus and ESPN Plus and Hulu in five years together. And that includes the bargain bundle of all three of those that Disney's also already announced. Amazon Prime has more than 100 million subscribers, but again, estimates are that only about half of those subscribers are actually taking advantage of Amazon's Emmy-winning array of included video programming alongside Prime's other free shipping, music, reading, and other benefits. Amazon's busy advertising the video benefits of Prime these days, and it is expanding internationally, but it's still not where Apple could be in just a single year of operation. Other sites like CBS All Access and the streaming version of its corporate cousin, Showtime, have announced a combined base of 5 million subscribers. HBO Max won't launch until April and will cost around three times as much as Apple TV+. Comcast just gave a name to its service, Peacock, and hired a general manager, Bill McGoldrick, but it also won't launch until April of next year. It may have the same sort of throw-in deal for its programming with its 25 million internet customers.
the sky acquisition in Europe certainly could help expand its reach too, but that still leaves it orders of magnitude behind Apple's potential reach. Number two cable provider, Charter Spectrum, is doing an increasing amount of free and ad-supported programming exclusively for its customers, from news channels to police procedural series and the acquisition of Mad About You with Paul Reiser and Helen Hunt. They could accelerate that, but like Comcast, it is limited by the universe of its subscribers and the physical footprint of its operations. So the back of the envelope calculations that I did show that Apple could add many tens of millions of subscribers in its first year in a way that its big media competitors can't really duplicate. It could quickly outstrip just about all that competition and grab a fast and substantial lead in subscribers, the major metric that Wall Street likes to use to measure success. And after they've had the service for a year for free, with more and more shows coming online from people they've actually heard of, what are the chances that many of those subscribers will object or even notice when the $4.99 fee starts showing up on their monthly bill? Maybe they'll just buy another iPhone or iPad and re-up for another year of free video as well, and Apple will have done exactly what it wanted to have happen. It's easy to dismiss TV Plus after its stuttering start and short list of programs at launch, but by giving away an inexpensive premium service to all its hardware-buying fans, Apple again is upending an industry, in this case the nascent SVOD business, and the ways we'll measure success. How are we going to value the competition when they have a tenth of Apple subscribers or less a year from now? I think that's going to be a really big question. Anyway, we're going to take a break, uh, hear from our sponsor, and I'll be right back. And I'll play my conversation with Mike Kaiserling from a conference a couple of weeks ago. He's the COO of Philo. Talk to you in a minute. And we're back. Thanks for staying with us. Now let's hear from uh, my conversation. It's a short one, about 10 minutes, with Mike Kaiserling, who is COO of the two-year-old Skinny Bundle, or virtual uh, MVPD, as they like to call them in the business. Basically, that's the um, multi-channel video provider uh, in the digital realm that looks a lot like what your cable provider might give you, the bundle of a bunch of services for a single price with some add-ons, et cetera, et cetera. Philo is interesting. It has a very different approach. Mike's pretty good about telling you what that is, and I thought they were really interesting and worth diving into. It's, a, it's definitely an alternative to what we're seeing from people like Hulu with live TV and YouTube TV and some of the other competitors, Sling, et cetera, et cetera. And it does it for a great price. So anyway, here I am talking with Mike Kaiserling of Philo. We're here with Mike Kaiserling, the COO of Philo TV, talking about subscription video and skinny bundles and the future of television. So, Mike, tell me real quickly what makes Philo different. What what do you guys look like? Yeah, so Philo is a really focused set of content, um, entertainment content. We like to think of it like entertainment lifestyle and knowledge. So it's 58 channels of TV for only $20 a month. That portfolio includes content that people love, like A&E, the a &E Networks, AMC, Scripps, Discovery, and uh, Viacom. But yet for $20, the goal isn't to just like sort of build the cheapest product experience. It was, it was really to build the best. And so you're getting live TV, you're getting 35,000 hours of on-demand content, and you're getting an unlimited DVR all for that you know, t low $20 price point. 
clearly differentiating from YouTube TV, from the the ones that look more like old school cable networks, right? I mean, it's just it's a it's a different it's a different approach. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think what you're seeing is a lot of companies, a lot of the VMVPDs are sort of have gravitated towards the same thing. It's like the broadcast networks and their associated cable channels um, with, with some, you know, flavors here and there. If anything, we're, we're a little bit more complementary to those services than, than competitive. And so, you know, there's a, a number of those that are in that sort of 50-something dollar price point. And you know, I think because we've we've opted to not include the sports and not not include the local you know affiliate broadcast affiliates, then that is what is what is allowing us to really offer it at a, a much lower price point. Now, I think there's going to be a crunch at some point about price. People's wallets. I mean, the reason why they were leaving traditional cable was not that they didn't like bundles of content, but they didn't like expensive bundles of content. Yeah, we couldn't agree with you more. Are we going to see more? I mean, I think that you've got a nice model here, but but people are going to still have to piece in things, but at least they can have more control, right? Isn't that yeah. part of the deal? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think with every new service launching, I think people are more and more comfortable with, you know, cobbling together the right set of content. You know, I think there's never, it's really never been a better time to be a, you know, TV consumer with just the amount of amazing content out there. But you know, I think that right now it gives you this opportunity to pick and choose what you want. And I think for us, it's a value play. You know, it's you're getting a ton of content at a low price. And I think that that pairs really nicely with, you know, a, a lot of the other services, whether it be, you know, a YouTube TV that's linear or something like a Netflix or some of the services that are about to come out. So how much of your content, you said 35,000 hours are on demand, how much of your usage is more in that on-demand kind of space? We're hearing even Netflix is moving away a little bit, not a lot, a little yes. bit away from the binge, release everything at once, pull it down when you want. Certainly some of the new services that are coming down from the big boys are going to be doing weekly releases in a very old school kind of way. How, I'm just trying to get some sense of what the on-demand component of your viewership pie looks like. So a large majority of our viewing is still on linear, and I think that has a lot to do with sort of the paradox of choice, where right now, you know, you go into Netflix, there is so many different options that people, and I do this myself, you know, you'll start to browse around for a few minutes, and then you'll give up. And I think what, what we, what, and I think that there's a ton of power in linear TV. Yeah, obviously with live sports, obviously with live news and with new content, but even with our service, which a lot of the content is available on demand, there still is this idea that like, I, if I love HGTV, I know I'm going to turn it on and like most likely there's going to be something on it I love. And, and we have a lot of those type of channels. And that's why the engagement on Philo is really high. I mean, we're talking like, you know, four hours a day. Well, so. you've got like the hallmarks of the world and there's a set of people that love royal Canadian mounted police dramas and romantic dramas, for instance, or Christmas specials or whatever. And then there's another set that like, I don't know, whatever Comedy Central's got rolling this, this year or what, you know, those kinds of things. So that, that you're kind of playing into the super fan, right? Absolutely. You know, we're big believers in, in the brands on the platform too. So, you know, we, you know, whether it's like you said, the Hallmark channels, the HGTV's investigation discovery is like a juggernaut, right? Yeah, I mean, I think we, again, we have like a lot of those channels that people really, that super serve a, a kind of genre, and then people just will like turn it on. It's a comfort food, you know? So how do you fit in as we see these big operations getting ready to launch in the next couple of months and into the next year? 
where do you guys fit in? Is, uh, do you see a, a big opportunity here? You said you've seen some really serious growth in the last year. So talk a little bit, A, about that and where you see the growth coming in the future. We're at this moment, at the beginning of September, we're just coming in, like we're in the midst of our largest, our largest growth period in the company's history. You know, in the last two months, we've grown by 30%. I think since the beginning of this year, we're on a compounded growth rate of 13% a month. So every month we're growing on average about 13%. It's pretty sizable. This isn't, you know, we're now into like the second year of our gestation. I don't know what it is. The, the second year of our life, but we're, it's, it's exciting to see us pick up um, steam right now. And so, you know, it's interesting. There, you're right. There's a, like a lot of big players about to get in this space. When I think of something like a Disney Plus, I think they're going to be wildly successful, right? I think they're, they're coming in at a great price point. They're, they know what they're doing, right? But like, do I think there's like a macro issue around you're fighting for dollars and an and amount of time in a day. And so like, you know, that might be a concern, but on, on the day to day, like we don't carry the Disney channels. It's not really like a, there's no like sort of direct competition or threat. They're not pulling back the Marvel shows from you guys, for yeah, instance. That's exactly right. So I don't, I mean, it's, I, I don't see like, I'd be really surprised if there was any massive sort of chair shift or anything like that. I think we are, again, just where we are as a company, we're, I think we have just a ton of room to run. I mean, I think we do a good job on the performance marketing side, but I think the general awareness of Philo is, is still in like those, you know, to use a sports analogy, we're maybe in the second inning or the first inning. And so we think we've got, we still have a ton of room to run. And again, I think what we've seen is that anytime somebody new comes to the market, it just makes it that much easier for people to want to start to put together their own package. And we bring a lot of the package to the table for, for a low price. You mentioned that when you were uh, doing your keynote conversation today at this conference that you got your start, or your company got its start in colleges and still have a significant presence on around 80 campuses around the country. And that's something of a, fittingly, a lab for you guys on where you're all's future is. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, the backstory of Philo is actually a pretty interesting one. So the company's actually been around for about eight years. And the whole premise of the company, I, I, I'll try not to sound too cliche, but the idea is that people love TV and kind of hate their TV provider. And this that held true eight years ago, and that kind of still holds true for the most part today. And so they, they thought... And, and we thought that there was a big opportunity to build a better product. And so back then, this is before Sling, before Vue, if they had gone out and tried to get licensing with no platform and no money, that wouldn't have gone very far. And so they tried that and that, you know, and then kind of hit a roadblock. But what we did find is like this niche on college campuses and basically built a mini OTT service that serves the on-campus student populations. And so we're currently, as you mentioned, we're currently at about 80 schools. It's still a platform business that we run today. And it and the ambitions of but the ambitions were always to really launch something direct to consumer. And so we took a lot of what we learned in the college space about the product, about the package, and we launched about a year and a half ago our, our direct to consumer product. So that's been where you got started, still there, still a place to do things. Good growth, uh, lots of things that are exciting happening right now. What's the next step for you guys? Yeah, as I mentioned, I mean, I think right now we just, I feel like we, we're in a good spot and we just need to execute. You know, I think we've, we're coming into this like hyper growth period. And I think, like I said, I think we have continued room to run where it took us the first year was all about getting like to table stakes. So we launched just with Roku. Obviously, we needed to get on Fire TV, Apple TV and uh, Android TV. So we, you know, we took care of that in the first year and 
and also similar on the ad side. You know, it was like when ads don't matter as much when you're starting with zero subscribers when you first launch a product. So now we have a good amount of scale. So, you know, in the second year, we really focused on building out all of our digital ad insertion technology stack. And so, and that's operating like in a really, that's also experiencing a similar, you know, a similar growth trajectory. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's, we're going to continue to invest. We're a product company. I mean, that's at the end of the day, like that's where, what we have, we get out of bed and how, what we spend our time doing. And so we're going to just continue to innovate on like the product side. And I, I, and I think just want to continue to execute on marketing and advertising. Thank you so much, Mike. Appreciate it. And that's our show. Uh, thanks so much. I hope you enjoyed the episode. It's lots going on, lots to talk about. Love to hear from you. If you are so inclined, send me a note on Twitter at David Bloom or on LinkedIn at David L. Bloom. Uh, let me know what you're thinking about, if there's things that you'd like to see me talk about or people you'd like to see me talk with as well. You can uh, leave an audio message through the company that hosts and syndicates my program. Uh, that's anchor.fm. And I can include your comments even in the show if they're really amazing. And I'm sure they are because you all are amazing. If you really like what you hear, go to Anchor and you can become a, a supporter of the show, much like what they do on Patreon, but they do it directly through what Anchor has on offer. And I quite appreciate that too. Also, of course, if you like the show, please rate, review, share, subscribe. Follow us and let other people know about us. Uh, let's get the word out and let the uh, magic algorithm machine know that uh, we're trying to do some decent work here. And in the meantime, I hope you all are well. I'm going to be moderating a panel at the Future of TV Summit next week in New York. That should be great. It's going to be about over-the-top subscriber marketing and retention, uh, gigantic questions. I've got a, some interesting people from uh, J.D. Power and uh, Kaltura and Velasquez, I believe, which is a giant marketing company. So it should be good. I will be back with uh, more to talk about uh, next week. In the meantime, I hope you have a great weekend and all is well on your, in your world. This is David Bloom, over and out. You've been listening to Bloom in Tech. I am your host, David Bloom. Thanks so much. And our podcast has been sponsored in this episode by Fabric Media in Venice, California. Take care, everyone.